Hi, I'm Kathleen Sabo of New Mexico Ethics Watch, and this is Ethics Now, conversations about ethics in everyday life. We're broadcasting to you from Albuquerque, New Mexico, and our guest today is Jesus Zamora. He's the owner of Sister Bar here in Albuquerque and the part owner of Prismatic Coffee and Sparky's Subaru Specialists also here in Albuquerque. He is the father of a two-year-old and has another child due in May. Welcome, Jesus. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for taking the time out of um, probably what's still a busy schedule with a two-year-old and, uh, and one coming on the way. So thank, thanks for taking the time. And, and tell us, your two-year-old, boy or girl? Little boy, uh, his name is River, and he's actually turning two on April 30th, so this Thursday. Oh, wow. And then yeah. do, you, do you know, or are you having a boy or a girl coming up? I know I'm getting personal here, but I'm No, just no, curious. that's fine. I actually, I, I love talking about this stuff. Um, we have a little girl coming oh. in May. May. May 13th is the due date, you know, so she'll be here when, when she wants to be, <laughs> you know, somewhere around then. Yeah, well, good luck to you yeah. and baby brother and mom and, and everybody coming, coming into awesome. this world at this time. Thank you. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. Yeah. Well, listen, I wanted to talk to you and we wanted to have you on because um, you've, got a, you've got a popular place here in Albuquerque, Sister Bar. And not only do you feed people or provide beverages, you provide community for them as well. And so, you know, I was looking back, I had to double check. It looks like it was mid-March when we first started to get uh, public health orders. Uh, right. coming, from, coming from the health department and the governor. And so walk us through a little bit what, like, what that progression was like for you and, and what, what that was like in those early days, please. I feel like it progressed really quickly, honestly. Um, I, I kind of recall it taking maybe like five days. You know, uh, I believe we started getting some word, you know, that other cities you know that were a little further along and their outbreak were kind of closing off and we could kind of see it coming as our curve kind of hit later or not you know in new mexico and uh, we ended up making the decision to close i'd say funny enough about a half a day before the governor oh, ordered wow. it just because we kind of felt it was the right thing to do um we were operating under you know the state ordered restrictions um and, you know, it just kind of fell off. Um, it didn't even really seem worthwhile. It still felt like, you know, we didn't really know what we were dealing with and uh, that we were, you know, potentially putting people at risk. And uh, at that point, you know, the fact that everything was so um, up in the air, there wasn't a lot of information or data regarding the virus. We, I just thought it was in our best interest to just kind of close down and see what, you know, see what happens. But sure enough, on March 18th, I believe it was a Wednesday the governor, you know, that afternoon kind of put out an order closing down, you know, what she considered non-essential businesses, and we fell in that category. Um, you know, so much of what I do actually revolves around large groups of people, you know, gathering. Yeah, well, let's step back a minute, because there are people who are listening who probably don't don't know of Sister Bar, and so describe it, describe that business to us for a little bit, please. Um, so Sister Bar is located kind of in the heart of downtown Albuquerque. Uh, we opened on October 11th, 2012. And, um, you know, we, we've been doing live music and different types of uh, community-based events from like fundraisers and local pop-ups, you know, 
I'd say in excess of like 250 events a year for, you know, going strong that, that kind of volume for at least the last five years, you know, it took us a little while to get our footing and figure out what we were doing. Um, but, uh, I started that business with two other partners. And then after about two years, you know, I, I became the one who was a little more well-suited for the business, uh, ended up taking over, you know, a hundred percent on that. And, uh, kind of running with my vision. Uh, we added food at that point, you know, that one of the other big things I think about like, um, my goal or, you know, like our underlying goal is to kind of like love the community and serve the community. And, uh, that involved providing food service, you know, like quality food service. So, um, you know, we're like one of the only places in downtown Albuquerque that you can get, a, you know, a nice vegetarian meal at 1am on a Monday. And I felt like, you know, any, any city really needs that, you know, so you might as well do it. So, so you're a bar, you serve food. Do you, Correct. you have tables as well that people sat at and ate? We do. We, we have seating for like 160 oh, people. Wow. We have a capacity of 360 and uh, we serve food from 11 a.m. to 1 a.m. every day with the exception of Sunday. You know, we have to close a little early on Sunday right. due to the liquor, liquor license laws and whatnot here. Well, we're going to be talking about ethics and acting ethically. So I thought it'd be good just to dig into that a little bit with you. Uh, to, so the listeners know from where you're coming when you're talking about it. And you told me ahead of time that you've studied ethics and you really like talking about it. So I'm sure it's something you thought about. So in this context of owning and operating a bar that serves food and has community events, what does acting ethically mean to you it it means everything it, it uh acting ethically governs everything i do and to me when i think of ethics i think of um you know con being conscientious of other people's uh positions you know other people's feelings state of mind um operating you know with like uh some kind of honor and fairness um and it's, it's it's super important to me it actually gives meaning to my whole life I, I don't think i would do what i was doing unless i operated this business with a with a code you know an ethical code that kind of uh, aligns with what i believe in what i believe is fair what i believe is right um yet still being really open-minded and trying to learn the whole time too i think that's a big part of it about being ethical is is taking the time to listen you know and um like I said, our our overarching, you know, mantra at Sister Bar is really just servitude, and uh, we try to serve our community to the best of our ability, and um, you know, and 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 acknowledge any kind of missteps that we've made, and try to learn from that, and, and continue to grow and set an example uh, that you can be a viable business and still operate under this kind of ethical pretense. Because uh, I feel like a lot of people feel like they have to abandon that in order to be like financially successful or something. You know, it seems to be the case in corporate America, that's for sure. And uh, I don't believe that. I think that there's a happy, a happy balance to be found. It just takes a lot more effort. But, you know. Well, to your to your credit, and you know, each time I have someone on an episode, we we talk about this with people because we want to make sure the listeners understand from where someone's coming, and you know, some of the things that I'm starting to hear from people over and over again are about integrity and honor, and there's always a concern for the other. 
It's not just yeah. yourself. There's a, it's always something about the community of, of people that we live in. Uh, but it sounds like you had made some ethical decisions even prior to getting orders. So, so tell me about that. What, what went into that thinking for you? Um, you know, I started thinking about the, the stress and the anxiety that it was causing, you know, um, amongst my employees, uh, you know, amongst different people of the community. And it was a big gamut. It was a big gamut of feelings. You know, there was, there was some people that weren't really concerned at all. And there were other people that were like really scared, you know, and afraid and, uh, you know, and then not to mention, you know, I, I have a, a pregnant wife at home right. and we're trying to figure out how to, you know, keep ourselves healthy and get through this, you know, period of time, you know, in a nice, healthy way and make sure that the baby and, and her, you know, are feeling good. So that was a concern. Um, but like I said, I think just the nature of my business too, the fact that we're such a big business, you know, as far as a bar and a restaurant goes, that many seats, you know, um, that size of building that we specialize in large gatherings, it really just, it seemed to make sense, you know, and it kind of took the weight off of everyone else having to make that decision every day. Mm -hmm. Like my employees, you know, it kind of just kind of gave them a little bit of peace of mind. And, uh, I, you know, obviously I encouraged everybody to file for unemployment and did my best to kind of help everybody navigate that system. It's still been a little tricky, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll get to that, but, but, you know, one thing I'm curious about, so, you serve food. So you had food on hand, you had ingredients. What are, what were some of the ethical considerations about that food that you have? Are you, are you still able to keep it? Was it frozen? Did you have to give it away? What, what went through? Your Most mind? of it was given away. You know, um, one of the things I'm really proud of is that uh, we make, um, I'd say like 90, 90% of everything is made from scratch. Mm. And we have a really small kitchen and small like refrigeration space. So we order a new, we have food coming in about three times a week. Uh, so it's always pretty fresh, which, you know, luckily we didn't have to, to throw that much stuff away. We gave away stuff to our employees, uh, regulars that came in. We kind of fed people for free for a couple of days there just, just to kind of blow through it and make sure that it didn't get wasted. Um, yeah, uh, just kind of made like little, little packs for employees to take home. Um, I took some stuff home. We ate burritos here for a week, I'd say, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it wasn't that bad. You know, surprisingly, we didn't have to throw away a lot of stuff, which was really cool. Well, and you know, just to share with you, I, I, other friends who own eating establishments or coffee shops, and I saw, you know, videos of them on Facebook and other platforms, you know, delivering their food to people in need. So that was, that yeah. was nice. It sounds like a lot of places did that with the, with the things on hand that they now could not use. I saw that too. Yeah. I thought that was really, that was really a a great thing you know it's it's kind of wild i've read i've read a lot about just all the food that's gone to waste you know in light of this situation yeah yeah you just know, having a the, yeah do right? you wish there was some centralized mechanism to connect up the people who need it with the people who are dumping milk and whatever else they're having to do i know yeah you know i think everything's so governed by a fear of liability you know it really throws a well, a kink in everything well, and you understand, I mean, that's a, that's a somewhat real fear, you know. It is. It's a very real fear, unfortunately, yeah. yeah on on all sides, yeah. 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 Well, let, let's talk about your employees a bit because, um, okay. because I know people are having um, 
you know, issues with a couple of things. First of all, you know, what's the ethical thing to do? Do you, do you keep people on? Do you pay them? Do you have to let them go because you're operating on a thin margin? And then, you know, are they going to come back to you? Can you talk to them about when they might come back? Talk to us about the employees and what you had to go through with that, please. Um, you know, I kind of just tried to keep them informed as to what my thought process was just kind of send out little updates, you know, periodically, especially in the beginning. I definitely haven't sent out much, you know, communication as of late, you know, other than that, like we're doing okay. And that, you know, I, I, you know, I intend to reopen and that luckily we're going to be in a position where I believe we're going to be able to reopen and, and rehire everyone. I did kind of mention that, you know, I was uncertain as to like what kind of volume business volume we could expect. So maybe hours would be cut a little bit, you know, um, but I feel really blessed. I don't know. I have a great uh, staff. They're amazing. A great team that I work with. And um, a lot of them have been there since the beginning. You know, we have a huge uh, retention. It's, it's amazing. I have, uh, you know, I'd say over half the staff has been there in excess of five years. Wow. And how, how large is your staff? Uh, we are at 49 people. Wow. Currently. That's a lot That's of people. Bar. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, so I kind of just kind of tried to let everybody know where we're at where we're going. I figure, you know, the more information, the better it kind of helps people to feel like at least there's a game plan. Yeah. Granted, we're all kind of making it up as we go. But, uh, uh, and I, I think we all are right now. Yeah. So um, as much or as little as you want to talk about this, did you, uh, I think we, we acknowledged this, you filed under the Paycheck Protection Program and people are having some oh, yeah. big, big time issues with that. Um, you want to talk a little bit about your experience with that? Were you able to get those funds or? Not yet. Um, I'm kind of actually, you know, now I'm kind of happy that I haven't got them yet and I'll explain why. I know it's kind of okay. odd, but um, it was definitely kind of a scramble. Um, I applied with three different lenders, including the bank that I, I bank with for the bar, uh, just because I kind of felt like, you know, it would increase my chances of getting it. Um, I didn't though, you know, I applied, I think it became available on a Friday in early April and I applied Monday morning I, you know, it took me a couple of days to get all of my paperwork in line and I uh, still didn't make the cut, you know, with those lenders. Um, but this second time around, it looks like I am going to, you know, receive a loan, which is going to help out greatly. Uh, but it's a little tricky, you know, cause right now everybody's kind of receiving like a pretty what I would say, like, it's like some kind of like a COVID benefit, you know, bonus to their unemployment. Wow. Yeah. So a lot of my employees are making more on unemployment currently than they would be if they were working hourly. Um, you know, and with the exception of a lot of the bartenders, people that are in tipped positions right. definitely were right. probably doing a little better. Right. But under, under paycheck protection, you, you have to use a certain percentage for, for paychecks. Is that accurate? Whatever you get? That is correct. Yeah. So it has to be uh, a minimum of 75% needs to go towards your payroll of the loan. And it has to be used for my understanding within a certain amount of time. Um, but I also kind of feel like, you know, I'm going to just give my employees the option if they would prefer to, you know, or they feel like they need to quarantine longer and stay home. I'm going to do my best to kind of just hold their position. That's and nice. if we can operate, you know, on a skeleton crew, with the people that do want to get back to work. But yeah, basically I'm just going to call everybody up one by one, you know, and I know it's going to take a while, but and give them the option and kind of see what they're comfortable with, what they want to do. Um, 
because yeah, it's still unclear. And you know, if the whole loan isn't forgiven, I'll just figure it out then, you know, I'm a, I definitely am a big believer in just dealing with the problem that's a, you know, right in front of you as opposed to a worrying too much. Um, but yeah, so it's been, it's been a scramble. I feel like a lot of the institutions have been overwhelmed. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like the laws or at least the regulations uh, revolving around that were so vague that it left uh, opportunity for a lot of people to take advantage of. Actually, just it came to light. You know, I've been reading in the news the last few days that um, I think like over 300 publicly traded companies applied for those loans and qualified. <laughs> you know, and some of these companies, you know, are worth like billions of dollars and they're getting these loans that were meant for like, you know, small businesses. Right. If you're a publicly traded company, you shouldn't be able to qualify, right? But the other thing too, I mean, that I feel like, you know, was really upsetting to read is that like a lot of these financial institutions, like they cited bank of America actually as one of them as, um, giving people like preferential treatment. Yes. So, you know, essentially they, they looked at these applications from these bigger accounts. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I was like, great. You know, it's just, uh, sadly isn't, isn't surprising, but definitely disheartening, you know, if anything ethics and, and, and stuff need to be taught more. You know, it's it's more important now than ever, especially in this type of uh, economic system that we, you know, live in. Well, and, I, and you know, just personally, I guess maybe I'm not surprised, but I was hopeful after the snafus that occurred uh, and the unethical behavior during, you know, some of the bailout way back in the last uh, decade, that right. we didn't see as much of that. And I thought there were safeguards too, but um, but I'm reading the same things you are. Uh, but but I'm I am heartened to see that some of these larger companies are re- and universities even are returning right. some of the right. large amounts that they got and that's that's to their credit that's to their credit. I agree. I agree. I think everybody was probably in a panic. Yep. Yeah. You know, and I think when when that's the thing, you know, so much so many things play into this. But you know, when people are were afraid and you know and, and panicking, they just kind of have a tendency to think about themselves. Yeah. Which well, kind of, and, you know. and right, and and forget that element of the other and community right. that, we, that we spoke about as being a necessary part of ethical behavior. Well, let's look to the future a bit. None of us have a crystal ball, but I'm I'm curious what you're thinking um, or hearing about about timing, about reopening possibilities, and then and then we can talk about the ethical considerations that'll come up. So, what are you hearing? Um, I am hearing and what i think is that the governor will probably allow us to reopen come june 1st okay under some type of restriction uh i don't think we'll be allowed to do concerts for quite some time mm-hmm. i'm not really sure about that one definitely just going to take that on a month by month basis but right now i'm kind of pushing as many shows out as far as i can with rescheduling a lot of people have wanted to reschedule and then have had to reschedule again Right. as things develop and progress it's kind of looking though you know like honestly like maybe the winter and that's just a maybe we'd be able to kind of have a concert again yeah you know and uh that's okay with me um all of my focus right now has been just kind of trying to streamline our operation kind of take another look it's kind of been an opportunity to take a fresh look at everything uh fresh look at our menu and uh, our staffing and really just try to run on food and, and drink for the time being. 
and, and, um, and kind and of put the, okay the show that. business on the back burner. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So what are, what are some of the ethical considerations as you, as you think about reopening? Uh, it's hard, you know, uh, I really feel like a lot of us are kind of put in this position where, you know, our, our financial well-being, uh, our ability to kind of just maintain our, you know, our bills, you know, is, is weighing in and, in and out with, uh, you know, what's right, you know, and doing what's right. So I'm going to try to just try to, you know, basically just make week to week decisions. Um, I could definitely see us opening at a kind of limited capacity, see how it feels. I'm a big proponent of like intuition and vibes, you know, to kind of help govern those unknown situations. You know, it's like you use all the scientific data and all the facts at your you know, disposal, but then that last little component missing is kind of your intuition and how it feels. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of how we're going to take it. I'm definitely, like I said, I'm going to touch base with all my employees and make sure that they feel comfortable. We're probably going to uphold slightly more stringent, like, you know, sanitation efforts. Um, we have a bunch of pinball machines down at the bar, which, you know, seem like they would be, uh, they'd be the perfect place to spread, you know, right. to spread viruses through a pinball machine, which is sad because I love pinball. But, um, you know, so we'll probably just do that. Uh, I've been trying to read a lot, you know, though. I've been just trying to educate myself on on all types of different positions on the virus. And um, I think it's going to be okay, though, honestly. I think that things will slowly, you know, kind of fall back in. I think that people, it's really hard for people to abstract the situation and treat it seriously when it's not impacting them directly you know so if anything we'll probably kind of hold our capacity and um yeah, and just up communication with the customers you know that that are are in there but that's you, kind of all i see us doing do you feel like you're getting enough information from either the federal government or the state or whatever source to to allow you to make you know, scientifically based decisions with your intuition? Yeah, I'd say I'm getting too much information. It's almost an overload, which makes it even worse. You know, I mean, uh, I feel like it's, it's a lot of information. Some of it is conflicting. A lot of people adhering to certain people's titles for mm -hmm. some kind of um, validity. But I guess that's all we have, right? Um, so I've just been trying to take in the largest sample of what I would say are like, you know, valid scientific based, you know, information and make my own decision really. Um, Cause I kind of see a little bit of both, you know, a lot of our information is filtered and you, you know, I always have a tendency to kind of question the source and what their motive is. And uh, I don't want to sound like a conspiracy theorist, you know, but some of it's pretty wild, you know, <laughs> a lot of the information, if anything, I've had a, uh, I've been inclined to kind of unplug lately, mm -hmm. like, you know, I've just been kind of keeping it simple and uh, just trying to enjoy my time here at home with my family and just kind of, you know, still enjoy these moments and uh, this time away from work. 
Well, there, there is a balance point. I, w- I went through it myself. At some point I said, I think I know enough for the moment. And I don't, yeah. don't you know, I'm going to tune out and tune in. Tune out out there and tune in in, in here as Absolutely. well as with my family. And so I think, I, I think I've, I've, I've been through that cycle twice now where I've done yeah. that. And I anticipate that happening again. Right. Yeah. The, everyone's feelings. I feel like everyone's feelings just kind of, there's a little bit more of a roller coaster effect going on right now, I think for everyone, you know? Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm not too worried. <laughs> I'm not too worried about anything funny enough. No, I, I, and I, I appreciate that viewpoint. So I'm, I'm hoping that as things go on, we might get an opportunity to reconnect with you down the line. If, if you'd be, if you'd be willing. Yeah, I think it kind of would be fun. It'd be fun to kind of see, you know, where we're at, you know, in a, in a couple of months or something. Be good. I hope, I hope we're at a place where um, people are healthy and happier and, uh, you know, able to connect to, to some degree. Well, is there anything else you'd like our listeners to, to know or anything else you'd like to say to people today, Jose, before we, excuse me. I uh, no, no, no worries. Um, not necessarily, you know, I, I think the one thing that I think I'm missing the most, and I think a lot of people that love sister are missing is live music. Yeah. You know, I feel like those, those uh, situations where we can get together as a group of people and you know, not be on the internet and partake in someone playing an instrument, you know, together is important. And I'm really looking forward to that happening again. It's kind of cathartic, you know, it really, I don't know, it's restorative, at least for me. I think for a lot of people though. In the meantime, there's a uh, relief fund, a New Mexico Musicians Relief Fund. I don't know if you're aware of it. That, um, I'm not, actually. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know if it's through the Music Commission, but the person who runs the Music Commission has organized it. And so people cool. are able to apply for that. And uh, as long as they can show they had gigs canceled, they can get some money from that as long as people continue to contribute. So, Well, that makes sense. Actually, somebody just hit me up to write a letter regarding one of their canceled gigs just like a couple there days ago. Go. So well, I bet you that's what it was for. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I hope, I hope everybody's trying to make the best of it. And, you know, I think Sister Bar is going to continue to try to put, you know, everybody else's, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I guess safety at the forefront, you know, that we're going to continue to kind of operate and try to stay alive, but we're definitely not going to do anything that I feel you know, is uh, unethical for, you know, just for money. It's like, well, we'll get, we'll figure it out, you know? Yeah. Well, that, and that's good to hear. And so we'll look forward uh, eagerly to the reopening of Sister Bar and, and other places. And certainly we wish you the best with all the decisions that are coming down the road that you have to make and hope that you have the right information and can stay safe for you and your family. Awesome. Well, thank you. It was good talking to you today. Yeah, yeah. So thanks to our guest, Jesus Zamora, owner of Sister Bar, for joining us. You can connect to every Ethics Now episode on www.ethicsnow.org or on all major podcast platforms. Visit our Ethics Watch Facebook page to suggest topics or guests or email us at contact at ethicsnowshow at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and see you next time on Ethics Now. Be well.